This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, this is Serena Vincent, and you're listening to Tobin Tonight. Welcome to yet another episode of Toba Tonight. We're here with Serena Vincent. Serena, my very first question for you is, what is your favorite color? Oh, well, I have to say yellow. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> for people out there who like know who this person is, and maybe, you, maybe you're like, oh, why did he ask that question right off the hop? It's a little bit of an Easter egg because we are speaking to the yellow Power Ranger or one of many yellow Power Rangers, we should say. One of a handful of yellow Power Rangers. I yes. was yellow Power Ranger on Power Rangers Lost Galaxy in 1999 in the 90s, people. I mean, I do love yellow because it's happy and cheerful and bright and sunny and all the things. But my favorite color is, I have two, white and purple. White and purple. Okay, explain that. Why white and purple? I don't know. White just, I love all white, all white. I have a child now, so it doesn't really work anymore. But before a child, just white linens, white everything, white curtains. It just feels so like clean and fresh. And and um, maybe it's because the life of an actor is kind of chaotic. Like okay. it, we're just so many words in our head all the time and wearing so many different hats. And I don't know why, but and then purple is divine. My go-to is always pretty plain. It's blue. But if they, if people start really picking at you, it's like, I like a dark shade of blue, like the color of this background. Yes, but I, I also do. like, I also like a sky blue, but I like the combo of them, them together. I don't know why. It's just like a light contrast blue where a dark blue and people are like, why? I'm like, well, there's all different kinds of blues. You wanted to be specific about it. So let's go. I love it. I love specifics. Um, how about Mediterranean blue? Oh, I love a Mediterranean, a good Mediterranean blue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just sticking to like blues. Like I, for example, like my phone case here has all like blue. different kinds of blues. Yeah. The thing that's sta- keeping all my podcasts together is a blue hard drive. That's like baby blue. So I feel like people are going to be like, you're a little bit obsessed with blue. I'll be like, that's okay. It is okay. It is okay. I realized for a while I was collecting a lot of purple. Like I had like a purple, a purple luggage and a purple laptop case and a purple phone cover. And then I showed up and I was like, Oh, I'm like that lady in all the purple and, you know, purple puffy jackets too much altogether. So I've, I'm scaling back. Um, I'm sure everybody's like, what are we talking about? This this, this is, this is why they're called chats and not interviews because you go all over the place. But when you say that, when you're talking about like collecting a certain color, my instant kind of go-to is watching Christmas movies Mm -hmm. and they always have that like portrayed as the evil ant that doesn't have a normal Christmas tree. It's all like white and crystal and silver. And I'm like, yeah, I would not want that ant. Even though I have a neighbor that was the same, she was the nicest of of, of a person, but I was just like, you're not what I thought you would be because I keep on thinking it's in my mind now that all white Christmas tree, all white. It's almost like you're the bad guy. <laughs> or like the, I've seen, have you seen like the, um, like a, I saw this last Christmas, um, somebody had a, it was like a rose. It was like a dusty rose. The whole tree was like a dusty rose color. I was like, yeah. all right, that's, that's interesting. They're getting, they're getting, they're getting innovative. Right. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> con- congrats to them for being innovative. Uh, I want to ask you kind of to get yeah. really into the chat here is now there's a lot that we're going to cover. There's a lot that we're going to go all over the place with, but let's talk about obviously the book first. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has a belly button. Uh, I, Everybody I wanna, has a belly button. <laughs> I have a copy right here. I want to ask you, because yeah. I know there's like a lot of topics. Like It's kind of interesting to me because when I was a child and people are like, you still are, that's fine. Uh, but <laughs> when, when, uh, when, when I was growing up, there was like these different books had different messages. But like as a kid, as a child, you don't really, I guess, grasp it until you're older. Like there was this book that was um, like, 
I will love you forever. Now, I only know this because of the Friends reference and Joey keeps on saying that's his favorite book. But I remember reading it as a child. But like as a child, you're kind of like, all right, mom, you like this book. But then when you get older, you're like, oh, I understand it now a little bit more. Now, obviously, I guess what you're implementing this book is obviously you're talking about a little bit about racial equality or racial equality, uh, you know, about skin color. And telling everyone, like, you know, it don't really matter what your skin color is. We all got something, essentially, that we can be uh, proud of or, you know, makes us who we are. But, like, I'm wondering, how do you get that across in this book? I know it's like, I feel like that's a difficult question, but no, it's not. I feel like you can answer this. Yeah, I can answer this. So it's a great question. Well, first of all, I'm pointing out the differences, but also, you know, but, but also our similarities. Like, we, like we are all the same, right? But, but our differences do matter. And I think that's like that, that's a bigger conversation about systemic racism and and people that say that they're colorblind and all of that. I feel like I've learned a lot since 2020 and how I can be a better person and understand what's really going on. But to answer your question about um, everybody has a belly button, I wrote this book the day George Floyd was murdered. Oh wow! Okay. And I was at that at that time when I you know we were watching the horror happen on the news. My child was then, my son was 14 months old and he was in his high chair and I was feeding him, you know, lunch or whatever. And it was the time when I was teaching him where his body parts are. You point to your nose, you say, this is your nose, say nose, belly button, eyes, toes. So you're going through their whole body. It's one of the first things you teach them, like their awareness of their bodies and themselves and, and where everything is. And so I was in that phase and of doing that it's like what i was doing in that moment and i was watching this horror go down on television this is not horror it's i've done a lot of horror that's another part topic of the podcast maybe this this reality this devastating reality and i thought holy crap what am i doing right now to teach my kid about skin color equality diversity Races. What am I, racism? What am I doing right now? And at that point, I, I had, was doing nothing, right? I um, and I thought, well, what if we teach our kids about talk? What if we start the conversation about our differences and our similarities right now, right when you're t- talking them about their bodies? I also read that book um, from Ta-Nehisi Coates, and he talks a lot about like the black body, and 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 so here here I am teaching my kid about his little body. And I thought, well, what if I did it? What if I did this? And I just made up this little poem. I was like, everybody has a belly button. Everybody has a nose. Everybody has a mouth. Everybody has toes. Everybody has skin. Some have black or brown. You know, I went on through the, through the, 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 the rhyme and he loved it. And I, and I was explaining it to him and pointing to different colors in the house and blah, blah, blah. I put him down for a nap and then I wrote the book and it came out this, I, I love writing in poetry and it was this really beautiful poem. And I just started saying it to him and he loved it. He would say, mo, 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 mo belly button. Uh, and so here we are today and now it's a book and we have an incredible artist and I want to talk about her, but that that's sort of long-winded answer, but that's how I decided to do it is, is start the conversation just as we start the conversation about, about your, your own baby's little body. I know when I was growing up in the nineties, reading like books or even like now where I have a niece and nephew watching them grow up, mm. looking at children's books. Like I, I know that I'm a white male. And, you know, I'm not going necessarily out of my way because I have a white niece and nephew to go buy like different colored books. It's just not instilled in my brain. But, mm-hmm. you know, the thing is, is sometimes you kind of go out. You got to go out of your way. Like, yeah, yeah. My, for me, I'm I have a person with a disability. So if I find someone that has a book about a disability or a child about a disability, like we have someone in Newfoundland that wrote a book called The Autistic Puppy. Now, I'm not autistic. But the disability side struck in. So I was like, yeah. good, let's get this book so that my niece and nephew can be like, hey, that kid in the class that you know that's autistic, here's a book that's like, I know it's a child's book, but at the same point is you kind of, you're understanding it and you kind of make them feel included because you can go to school then and say, actually, I don't know everything about your autism, but my uncle okay, gave me yeah. this book and we, we talked about it and maybe that makes them feel included. Maybe doesn't feel as shy. Like it's that all about is- kind of... That is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. I don't know. Are people going to be looking at this podcast or is this just for No, no it's it's but, lookable okay. too. But lookable. like I, um, <laughs> I want to talk about my artist, Zoe Hunter. It was important for me to find a, a woman of color to do the art. And 
so she did it. It's, it. I wanted every baby to see themselves, but I also felt like, oh yes, I need to include everybody. Now there are babe, there are kids without toes, right? There are kids without elbows, right? Potentially, yeah. right? There, there are. So, so I, I there's a, a a page in the book, and I'll just read it. And if you can see this little girl in a wheelchair here, I there's a. There's a page that says everybody is unique. Some are freckled, bald, short or tall. Some teach, build, dance or play ball. Some wear glasses, have beards, are wide or thin. Some may cook or clean, be a doctor or twin. Some have wheelchairs or scars or special needs. Some may not see and some may not speak. All the differences all aglow make everybody special like a rainbow. That's like the tagline. Well, like it was important to me also to not just talk about skin color, but also it, I wanted every child to see themselves. The child in the wheelchair the yeah, child. It, it, it's it. Yeah. Like I, and that's what I was kind of going for in this. Cause now you yeah. see more, I guess, people when they're writing books, when they're doing anything artistic, really, they're trying, like, I don't feel like it's forced, but they're trying to be more inclusive. They're trying to be like, all right, like I know who I kind of want this to be towards, but I don't want this to be left out. Now I know some people would say, oh, well, like it's all because of culture now. And if you don't add them, then there are going to be people that say, well, there's backlash. But See, I, I don't I don't think that way. I think well, it's I just I, yeah. I agree. I, I disagree with that. And I, and I think you're right. And yeah. I would say this. We have a much more conscious our, our, this generation of parents. Yeah. I'm much more conscious. Now you don't have to be a parent to be more conscious, but I am a mom now. I'm a mother now. And I look at my kid and I, and I know he's white and I know now I know that like that comes with a certain level of privilege and he's not on wood healthy. And yeah. we, we are more, con I think we're a more conscious, more empathetic generation and we can put ourselves into the, the shoes of a mother who's, I have a friend who's, for five-year-old is battling cancer. We can, we can put ourselves in those shoes and, and we do want to include everybody because all of our kids are all of our kids. There, there, there should be no separation. There really shouldn't. I've always been sort of an empathetic person, but after becoming a mother, like your heart, when they say your heart walk is like outside yourself walking around, it's true. Like yeah. I've just exploded with like <laughs> so much love and empathy for every child. And like, I remember when I first had my baby, I would just like, hold him and like snuggle him and squeeze him and kiss him. And I thought, what if every baby got this much love because they don't. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a tough kind of wheel to spin, I guess at times. Cause you're like, you're looking at it from uh, different perspectives and like, yeah, there, there are people that can do that. And then there's people that really can't, it's like a line. And then it, it, you either cross the line if you, if you do or you don't like, I know not necessarily related to the children's side of things, but just with the disability, mm -hmm. I know with like, I think it's mostly Canada, maybe the US as well, but like for someone like myself to try to find media jobs, you know, like you, you, as a kid, you're looking up to somebody for what you want to do in life. And for me, I wanted to be in media, but I never had someone to really look up to. Like now I have like an invisible disability, so it's kind of hard to tell, but like for someone in a wheelchair, there is no, some, there's no one here, let's say on CTV or CBC or NBC that you're like, I see that person doing it. Now I want to do it. You're, you're kind of going to be the first. And it's sad because even to this day, you would be the first and someone is taking a chance on you. But I feel like, you know, this generation, the kids that are coming up next with your books, with other books that kind of discuss all this, they might not feel like they'll go when they get older and be like, yeah, I read that book when I was younger. And they'll tell you their own story of like how it helped them get through something or how like, that made them be inspired to do this. Like, I feel like our generation didn't really have that. Um, we didn't, yeah. We did, but like, because we understood that now, we're kind of like, oh, right, well, we don't want the next generation to be like that. So let's give them something. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, are you in a wheelchair? No, I'm not in a wheelchair. Okay. But no, so my disability, yeah, because it, it's fair. People should know. Uh, it's like Sturge-Weber syndrome. So this right I here, you can, you can yeah, kind of see it. It's okay. like a, a birthmark. But when I was 12, I had like a stroke. So my whole right side just went numb. And like, it's it's kind of a lot. Well, I'll get into a little bit of winded because this is your episode. But it's like, I was riding my bike one day. It just kind of like stopped. Like oh right arm, right leg went. And I'm only like a block away from my house. But like up until this point, 
I didn't know what was going on. Like my parents know because they were like, yeah, when you were younger, you used to stare off into space. And that was what we called a kind of a seizure. But like no one told me this. So this was my first thing of going like, uh, did I fall down awkwardly? Is this like normal? Wow. And then it only lasted about, I think, a week. So I got lucky because they did say it was going to be a lengthier process. But for some reason, I got lucky. And I still kind of have them where there are episodes where I'll get a migraine. I'll know, okay, I got to relax. The, the right arm, right leg will go for 20 minutes. But I'm good. I'm fully functional the whole time. So it's not like I passed out because some people think like Sturge Weber or epilepsy as it sometimes can be branched is he's going to pass out. What the hell do we do? No, I'll tell you, Hey, I'm having an episode. So I got to sit down for 20 minutes. You continue wow, on. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. But, interesting. Really interesting too. I guess from your perspective of feeling like a totally healthy, normal kid for 12 years of your life yeah. and then after 12 now having the label of disability i'm just imagining that there's things to like work through in that <laughs> it's 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 a tough climb because I'll, I'll try to relate this back into like your sense of a, like kind of a question here but like i know for me when i was applying for jobs coming out of school like i never thought even with the disability when i was 12 because what 12 year old goes to school thinking like yeah i got a disability it's going to be limited like, I just felt like, yeah, okay, I had this thing. It's almost like to me, I fell off a bike. You fall off bikes all the time, but we don't wow. treat you differently. So I went to school, graduated, like got a de uh, degree, diploma. And then I was like applying for jobs. And to me, and this is where it kind of comes a double-edged sword, is I would see people walk into university in a wheelchair with like, you know, uh, a dog because they're blind. And I felt like I don't have that disability. I'm fully functional, so I don't need all these extra resources. So applying for jobs, I used to say, are you a person with disability? I'd say no, because you don't see it. So I used to kind of count myself out as saying, like, I want to I want to get my job because of who I am, not because of the label of disability. But now when I look at it, I kind of go, yeah, I'm a person with disability because there are certain things that, yeah, I'm going to need help with along the way. Now, they're not major things, but you know, it's kind of like weighing that spectrum as if I need an extra time to read and you treat me like I'm a normal person, you're going to be like, man, all the, all the rest of those normal people can right. read what's his problem. But then if you see, Oh, he's a person with disability, he's actually doing really well considering yeah, yeah. that. So then it's almost like I clicked or I checked the tick mark to kind of protect yourself. Yeah. And I feel, you know, so I feel like uh, to kind of bring it back to your book in an aspect, like I feel like, writing something like this for children, it's kind of letting them know, like, you know, you're giving the check mark to them as saying like, you know, it's okay to be a rainbow. It's okay to be unique. Like just because you don't see that in someone else doesn't mean that you got to cross yourself out and saying, well, all right, well, I don't meet what they're meeting. So yeah. there goes, there goes my color of my rainbow. <laughs> I'll have to show you right here. You know, I like, I would literally try to include everything and everybody only so much you can do. And like a kid's, book but i have we have a page here about everybody has a birthmark and now i feel included <laughs> and yeah um, because i think that you know that everybody does some people have small birthmarks somebody has big big birthmarks and that's a thing that like kids other kids can be cruel about right oh abs absolutely and um and so i thought that was important to point out and also like all birthmarks are different yet they're all the same you know yeah. and um just Again, it's like this book is a conversation starter about all of these things. If parents aren't talking about them, like our kids, our babies are sponges and they learn so much. And yeah. if they can learn nose, mouth, eyes, toes, hair, they, they learn how to do all the things. Why can't in this moment also in those very first few months also learn about the differences in our skin color and well, it's kind of interesting because, you know, there's going to be and this is where it kind of comes into the contrast side, because, you know, there are going to be people like I, I'm hoping not. But there always there always is, even if it's a small amount of people that will come out and say, like, they're four, they're five, they're three. Like, why are you teaching this to them at a young age? Like, just let them kind of learn it over time. Well, I'm like, that's kind of yeah, there's aspects to that. But like, I look at it and I know John Oliver had a book about a bunny, but it was a gay bunny. And people were kind of like is this like for adults? Is this a kid's book? And he was like, no, it's a kid's book to teach your kids that like, you know, men can like awesome. men, women can women. And 
people were like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. It's like, all right, well, that's fine, I guess, for you. But, you know, maybe yeah, well, just... the kids that are gay. That's, yeah, that, that exactly. makes them feel so good. Yeah. Yeah. So it's we've done research on this. Like, I don't know the research, but like I've read somewhere that they did research on kids and like preschool age kids and kindergarten age kids. And like by not doing anything, kids will grow up with a certain level of racism because yeah. they only see certain things in movies, certain things in books, certain things in toys, certain things at home, hearing the, you know, uh, you know, conversations. So I, th- I think it is important to have all these conversations and, and we are right. Like yeah. we, we are, I mean, there's some, all the stuff with just came out about Texas, right. And in, in, in the U S about them investigating homes with trans kids, which is just sick. Yeah. And, and so we need more people talking about the truth and what's real and protecting our children rather than making them feel um, more isolated and more alone. If we all just do a little bit better <laughs> to guide our kids, steer our kids in the right direction, then maybe we can make a difference. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel like it's starting, like you got to be able to kind of see it or read it to really kind of implement it. And I do like that sometimes when you turn on a TV, it's no longer like, all right, you're walking, you're looking at a TV show and in the background, it's like, oh yeah, that's the black actor they cast or that's the you know indigenous actor they cast. Now there are literally shows where the main cast is black or mm-hmm. indigenous or you know asian they're not just putting a black person in the background as like yeah oh, like almost like okay well like we checked the box there like yeah. you know yeah. like it's it says true. it says in the casting you need to have one black person you're like you here done yeah. now it's almost like all right we need a, we need change. a family like we, i've we're, seen it yeah. change yeah i've to- i have i've seen it change i was do i've been doing this for many years 25 years so we were auditioning before I had a cell phone, before there wasn't even cell phones. Like I was going, uh, you know, it was, we, we were shooting on film and it, it was like that. And the, the rules are different now. And that is good. Like, I, I know you have the background for say, like studio production, musicals. I'm actually kind of fanat- fascinated about this. Now, I only probably would have been five, but it was like, was it Miss Teen? In I was USA yeah. in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, yeah. Right. so it, it's interesting because when you go back and look at all that, like I know those are like kind of accomplishments for yourself, but like when you look at bigger picture now, because I know we're, we're going to try to branch off the kind of the the racism, whatever, like this topic. But I do, I do find it interesting. But like when you look back at your career now and you see kind of where it's kind of changed, do you look back now and you're like, I'm grateful that all this happened and now that i can make my own kind of landmark with this because i feel like if you were born in a different time frame these things might have been a lot more difficult to kind of land yeah absolutely i mean well i just like don't really believe in regret you know i i I do no i'm like (laughs) i feel so grateful for life in this life i feel so blessed that i have figured out a way to carve out a path in this business and a career for myself. Like when I, I watched all the same shows, I would watch family matters and I'd watch full house and family ties and different strokes. And I just, I wanted to be on TV, but I didn't know how how to do that. Like, how do you get from your tiny, like lower middle-class home in front of the TV to on TV? Like how, how does that happen? You know? And I didn't know. How do you go to Las Vegas to Los Angeles? Yeah. How do you go? What's interesting is, that you brought up Miss Nevada Teen is because it was sort of a segue for me. It was sort of a segue. I wanted to enter that pageant and my parents said, no, they went out of town. I raised the money myself and I bought a dress. I entered it and I won. (laughs) They were like, it's rigged. Anyway, I won. I had never like done anything like that before. So then I had to go to Miss Teen USA, which is essentially like shooting a reality show. You all 51 of us go and um, live together to shoot the televised episode of the pageant. What's interesting is circling back to like 
to race is I believe the year before me, I, I, I could totally be wrong. And if there's a pageant expert out there, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm willing to be wrong. But I believe the year before me, there were like zero black girls that made it into the top 10. So my year, I think they were trying to be more inclusive and which was great, obviously. And it was split down the middle, right? Maybe not down the middle, definitely more white girls and black girls, but there were, there were more, it was more diverse. Oh my God. I, I saw up close. I lived with these girls, how racist some of these 16 year olds and 17 year olds were. And it was shocking to me. It was shocking to me because I didn't grow up obviously thinking like that. And, um, that was one of my first experiences with, holy shit. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> these, these girls are mean. I'm not going to single any out any States, but <laughs> there were a handful of States that, that had some not so nice things to say and I'll never forget it. Yeah. So, you know, that, I'll, I'll never forget that. That's not why why I wrote Everybody Has a Belly Button. But <laughs> the fact that you brought it up, that was like the beginning of me really seeing it, some it's, ugly, it's, and ugly yeah, stuff. Yeah, like it starts to get in your mind. Like I, I know like just to kind of close this topic off to go yeah. elsewhere. But like I know, like I said, you watching TV shows, like I'm in Newfoundland in Canada. So like I'm watching shows, but like most times I'm watching like a white family and I'm not exposed, like only for I liked Family Matters because of Urkel. Like, you know, yeah. I wasn't really exposed to it. So therefore, when you do finally get exposed to it, you don't know how to react. And sometimes that reaction, you look back on and you're like, all right, that wasn't the greatest reaction or I could have did better there. But like I wasn't exposed to it where I kind of felt a little bit like not that a level up, but I mean, I'm seeing, you know, a show that's based on Chicago even though I know it's filmed now in LA, but I'm seeing like, Oh man, like this is what their kind of culture goes through. Now they could betray that the way they want to, but I'm like, okay, I'm not, I can kind of relate to it. I'm not saying I'm in their shoes, but at least I can kind of be like, okay, like I'm, I can see it. So therefore by seeing it, I can now at least discuss it or ask Mm -hmm. someone. And I feel like that's a, a situation now where we're in too, where it's everyone is so easily offended. And it's like, you know, yeah. I feel like if I went up to one of my friends that's black and started talking about like blackish or something, there's going to be someone out there that's like, dude, that's his show. Why are you talking to him about his show? I was like, I am asking him because I want to know. I don't want him to feel closed off that he can't talk to me about an issue that happens on a show, you know, but there are still people out there like, yeah, no, stay in your lane. I'm like, there's always someone, yeah. there's always <laughs> yeah. someone to say something. I, I had to do, um, it hasn't aired yet, but I actually host a podcast with a, a pediatrician called Raising Amazing. And we did an episode about my book because the title is Everybody Has a Belly Button. And I chose the title Everybody Has a Belly Button because most people, if you're born, yeah, if one is born, most likely you have a belly button or you did. Yeah. You, I'm you guessing some I'm name. guessing someone said they were born without a belly button and that went down a road. Yeah, like no. how I mean like <laughs> Like there was have to be a spite a space for the umbilical cord to attach. So um I chose very carefully, but it was not r- right off the bat. Someone was like, I know someone without a belly button. I was like, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> There's always gonna be a hater. <laughs> There's all yeah, there it's yeah. always it's it's over like anything small. Like I know for me to say Oh, I'm a person with disability trying to get in media, blah, blah, blah. There's gonna be another person like, well, I know someone has a disability and they're trying to get in the media. So do you feel like special? I'm like, no. If no. anything, yeah. let me get in contact with him so we can work together. Like, like let's <laughs> yeah. figure it out. I want to ask you too, because I know you kind of went into a little a little bit about how you started this book, what made the process, but like I am always interested because I did not just start overnight thinking about me doing a podcast. Like that did not just come overnight where I woke up one day and I'm like, you know what? Let's do a Tobin Tonight podcast and then go back to sleep. So I want to ask you, like, over time, what made you decide to really write this book? Like, I know you were saying about George Floyd and that kind of sparked, but like, were there parts in between your career that you're kind of thinking like maybe when he was, your child was first born that you were kind of like, I'm interested now, how do I go about writing this book and getting it out to people? So, okay. What I said in the beginning is the God's honest truth. I put my child down for a nap and I wrote the entire book and it was done. 
and I sent it around to people and well, first of all, put a pin in that for a second. I wrote a book series in my twenties called how to eat like a hot chick, how to love like a hot chick and live like a hot chick. I co-wrote it with very best. My, uh, one of my very best friends, Jody Lipper, we were, um, we wanted, we redefined the term hot chick. So it wasn't about looking a certain way, but about an inner confidence and beauty, women not competing with each other. Um, they did very, you know, they did well. We published them with Harper Collins. Um, we were on the today show and all the the things talking about it. And, um, so like I have done books before and at the time that I wrote this, I had just finished writing a bigger book for older kids that I was trying to sell and it didn't sell. It was pandemic 2020. I don't know. Hopefully I can figure out a way to do it again. So I was already like writing. I'm, 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 I wrote a, I have a kid's TV show pitch. I'm writing horror movies. So I'm also a writer. I didn't ever think about doing a kid's book per se, like kids, like baby book, except that when I read some of these books, I'm like, that's not that good. Like I'll read something and I'll be like, that doesn't really rhyme. You're stretching, you know? And so it just, this idea just came to me. I wrote it and I, I just took the, 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 you know, the next natural steps to see if I could get it published. And here we are. I feel like, you know what, anything in life, there are times where you're listening to like either a song or you're watching a movie and you're like, that's a stretch. Like, I know this is probably going to be pretty dated, but there is going to be a general audience out there that might understand what I'm going for. But like, I come across on Instagram stuff that I relate to when I was smaller and I'm like, oh man, that really hits me in the feelings. But like, there was one that was like, uh, yeah, everyone gives Eminem credit for his rap career, but like, can we all talk about how T-Pain rhymed Wisconsin with Mansion? And I'm like... In my mind, I'm like, that don't rhyme. Where does he ever rhyme that? And then I have to go back and listen to the song. And I'm like, it's like, I bought her a house in Wisconsin in a mansion. I'm like, no, you did that yourself. <laughs> like, I remember being small and listening to that song and trying that. And then they're like, yeah, makes sense. He's so good. And then when I get older, I'm like, no, that's a reach. That's like, so funny. That's yeah. so funny. Uh, that sounds like me here, like reaching for, I've written a couple other ones, books since, since this one, I, they're not, you know, published yet, but I want to, to, you know, do a whole series of, of kids books. And so I'm, I'm always like, does that really rhyme? It rhymes yeah. the way I say it. But yeah. <laughs> it's like when someone says, I love it. Eminem, by the way, love yeah. Eminem. It's like when someone has like the, like I, I think there's an interview with Eminem that says about orange and he's like, well, yeah, it's like people says that the orange can't rhyme with that thing. He's like, yeah, I can the orange orange, like the orange. And I'm just like, all right, all right, Eminem, you, the, the, only you can get away with that. If, if some other person was on that talk show and I was like, I don't know, I like Wiz Khalifa and others, but if it was Wiz Khalifa going like, yeah, man, orange can rhyme. I'd be like, go away, Wiz. Come on. <laughs> what are you, what are you doing? But if it's Eminem, it's almost like oh, genius. And I'm like, is it though? <laughs> He's a genius. He is. He, he, yeah, yeah, he is. He, but there are, def- there are definitely times that he will say something and you're like, if it was someone else, it was anyone else that didn't have no, his popularity. He makes it work. That's <laughs> yeah. the thing. Is somehow yeah. he makes it work. I want to ask you, because I, I know talking about the book and you said that you wanted to write other books. Like what other topics were you kind of thinking, or was this kind of going to be like a series in itself where it's like, you know, well, no, this, this one, like I said, just came from, it just came from that moment. I have another one called, I love you up, up, up. It's about all the, the ways that you love your child in like all the up and down and far near and far. So they're learning those things that you teach. Yeah. I just wrote one the other day about missing you. Like there's a lot of, parents out there that go away for their job like some some people go to their job nine to five they see their kids every day right like some go for six months but sometimes like i'll get a job and like i've got to go away for a whole weekend right or a whole week or something like that and that's like really but then i'm there all the other time right all the other times so it can be very confusing. And I thought, well, this isn't just for actors and writers and directors. This is for police officers. And this is for, you know, men and women in service and all kinds of uh, parents that, that have to go away during weird times to work and that everybody has to work. Everybody yeah. has a belly button and everybody's got to work. There you go. So, that's, um, that, that's what you should do. Just have the everyone has yeah. and just continue on with that series. Like I, I was thinking in my mind, as soon as 
we were getting the press release for this. So I was like, everyone has a belly button. I was like, okay, that's interesting. But in my mind, I'm like thinking like, what's the next chapters here? It's like, everyone has a nose, everyone has ears. And then it's well, like, that's, oh. That, well, that's yeah. all in this one, but <laughs> yeah. 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 Right. Well, yeah. That, so um, I, I'm, th- they're really just inspired by what I'm currently talking to my own child about. So well, that's good. Yeah. Like, that's... He gets mad now, like, cause everything's on zoom, right. Or like, yeah. I'm like, I have to go downstairs and mama's got to work. No, don't go downstairs. I'm like, you have no idea how lucky you are. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like, you e- know. yeah. Everyone has a zoom link. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's like a book for like, when we get older, you'll see like this generation of books like now where it's just going to be like, be like, Oh, do you want to read? Everyone has a zoom link. Everyone has a Skype date. And they'll be like, who are these books for? I'd be like, excuse me. They're for like people who had kids in 2020 and maybe for like 2025, that's the age. And then you're like 20 years old. You're like, do you, do you remember reading? Everyone has a zoom link. I'd be like, no, I remember buying it for my kid. So ask them. And then they're 20 odd. And they're just like, yeah, I remember reading my dad reading that to me. Everybody has so many zoom links in their emails. Yeah. Yeah. It's like you have you have to attend this. I'm just still like you, you know. I what? remember my first Zoom. I was like, "Ooh, Zoom! What's Zoom? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Oh, how fun! Wow!" And now it's like, okay, yeah. yeah. Everyone has a team yeah. meeting. Yeah, I know we talked about the book a bit, but to kind of drift away from the book talk, like, tell me some other things that you have that are interesting to you in the pandemic because everyone has something that they've kind of dived into like i know i mentioned that i'm trying to learn french i feel like i'm at the latter part of the pandemic where it would be nice to learn it at the beginning but (laughs) it's it's still something to learn but like when the pandemic hit were you one of those people that were like oh i have to accomplish something in a pandemic or were you kind of like oh my god i get to like relax a little bit here i don't have to do so many things i know it's hard when you're a parent because it's almost like there's no hey I'm taking a break. It's like, mom. <laughs> yeah, it, that's, it's such a good question. And it's, it's very specific for me because I, I was a new parent. So my, my child learned to walk during quarantine. So just when I got, so my, my son turned one in February and then in March, right. If I have 2020, we hit the pandemic. Yeah. So just when I got like good at like leaving the house, cause I had a one-year-old that just when I got like good at like being a parent, <laughs> just, like just when I mastered world, it. Yeah. Yeah. Just when I was like, Oh, I can do this. I can like put him in the car seat and like go to the grocery store and like pretend like I know what I'm doing as a mom <laughs> and like, all those things. That, it stopped. I, mean, I think every parent struggled during the pandemic. You know, I like, he didn't get to like, when he started to walk, I didn't get to like take him on a playground or anything yeah. like that. Like all the things that you would normally do with a kid, we couldn't even go to the beach. It was all closed off. So I, I, I definitely, I have high expectations for myself. I'm an overachiever. Okay. So I always feel like I need to get a lot of things done and like accomplish a lot of things on any given day. So I definitely put that pressure on myself in the pandemic too. You know, so how do you, like, so but like I, don't mean- I don't even know what happened. Like, I don't even know if I did the thing. <laughs> like, I don't know what I did. I don't know what happened in the last two years. That's what everybody yeah. wants to know. <laughs> yeah. How do you like manage that? Cause I'm interested. Cause I, I find like I'm 30 odd, but like, I always thought like, and I guess when you're younger, sometimes you have like these goals. And like, I, I think when I look back at my goals, I'm like, you know what? It's reasonable, but I'm also like, I also have to kind of calm myself down and be like, you know what? once in a lifetime that might happen but i remember being like 16 in high school and telling people i want to be on snl don't know how to get to snl but i want to be on snl i remember telling people i wanted to have a talk show and then not remembering how to get yeah like but but like not remembering i want to be on snl too can we be on snl together (laughs) yeah let's let's ask uh let's go like ask some people but i i hear what you're saying and that is as an actor i live off of hope like, I don't know what the next job is. I audition so effing much every single week. I re- memorize so many pages of material and I fall in love with all these characters. And I am at, I'm like, oh my God, if I book this show, holy shit, that's going to change my life. Oh, yeah. wow, honey, if I get this movie, I'm going to be going here this month instead. Oh, no, didn't get that one. Okay. Yeah. All right. This one, I'm going to be here. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, we'll move to Hawaii. Blah, 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 blah. And then they know none of them happen, right? Because yeah. it's because you, this is the part of the business as an actor that nobody knows. They don't, you don't know all the things that we read for that we don't get. So I live off of hope. And if I stop hoping I'll die. 
Do you know what I mean? Like if I like the the I stop hoping that like one of those big next things can happen is the day I can't be, I can't be in this business. So I have high expectations. I'm an overachiever and I believe I can do it all. Of course I have this like insecure voice in me. That's like, no, you can't, you suck. You know, like, I think everybody has that, but that's um, my parents. No, no, I'm kidding. (laughs) But you know, when you're tired and all the things you're just like, no, I can't you know, and then you get a good night's sleep and they're like, no, yes, I can. I can, I can, I can do this. So I have really like high hopes. And I thought I would be, I thought, I thought I would have done many more things in my career by now. But then I look at my career and I think, wow, what I have done, I I did it just me, you know, (laughs) I mean, it takes a village, but like, it really takes that hope and it takes you getting up every day and, and, and not giving up. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. I want to ask you, because I I like to talk to our acts or people that we have on about social media, how they view social media, because like we live in a world now where I find it's about likes, comments, that necessarily, it's not really much about content. Do you worry about that? Or are you just more or less saying like, if I post this and like five people like it, that's great. If no one likes it, I'm posting it because the reason I bring this back is Ed Sheeran made a comment not that long ago where it's like, when he sees people posting selfies and they don't get like 20,000 likes, they get deflated. But he's like, Instagram and that's supposed to be a promotional tool. So I'm like, I get what he's going for because I guess for me, I grew up in like the MSN age where I log into MSN. If someone's like, you're an idiot, it's blocked. That's it. Done. Right. But now today it's like 20 odd people that are strangers can come on and be like, this podcast sucks. You suck. Blah, blah, blah. And then I'm just kind of like, whoa, like it's a wave. But I also have to remember that because I grew up in the age of social media, that just kind of comes off your back. Like, yeah, there are a few comments that you're like, ooh, that hurt, but I'm over it. But you have kids today on TikTok that are like 10 and some random person will yeah. say, you suck at dancing. I'm probably one of them. No. <laughs> and uh, then it's like that deflates them for their whole life. And I'm like, dude, it's one person doesn't know you you're never going to meet them just continue on with what you're doing but like how do you view your social media like when you do you get hate mail and then go like oh i can deal with it or you're kind of like why did you say that to me today so it's such a good good question and i'm just going to be totally honest well i feel like it's a necessary evil like social media i think it can do a lot of good but i also think it's a huge waste of time i i'm so aware of like just this of like the scroll and like looking through your phone. I'm so aware of, of how often we're doing that and all day long. And I'm extra aware of it because my kid is like, what, hello, what are you looking at? You know, I want to see, yeah. and like, we're missing life, right? We're missing like actual life, but this is, but it's a necessary, it's a tool now in our business. Yeah. And like, it does matter. And it, and it does matter for actors of, of sort of like my caliber i guess like i'm not an a-list actress i'm a working actor that like has a fan base and has a following i don't know where my where my next job is right yeah. so I, I i'm definitely like i i need to be in the game and i would be lying if i said if i post something well for example if i post a sexy sexy picture it'll get ten thousand likes yeah if i post a picture of my book it'll get 300 yeah. But that's also because of the algorithm, right? It's like there's this like algorithm and like if I post a sexy picture, the in, the algorithm knows all of my followers that like 
those kinds of pictures and it sends my picture to their phone. They're not seeing my book. They're not looking at my book. If nobody knows this, you should know this. But if they're not looking at my book and thinking, I'm not going to like that picture. No, they don't even get to see it. Oh, interesting. And that is where, did you watch that documentary, The Social, is it called The Social Dilemma? I think that's what it's called. Oh, no, I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. You have to watch it. It'll change your life because this is an algorithm and like, and and it'll change the way you look at social media and won't change your life. When when I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. It is a bummer that my book picture only gets 300 likes. Why? I want people to buy my freaking book. Why? Because I want to help like raise a generation (laughs) of kids that aren't racist assholes. So, um, but it's like, I have to take a sexy picture with my book and then maybe like it'll get people. Yeah. It's just. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, no, I totally get it. Well, I like, think it, it's a necessary it, evil. I, I'm like, I hope it goes away by the time my child is yeah. at middle school. I hope it just goes away somehow, and we can all get back to just, I don't know what the way it was. I, I think it, you know what? It's interesting to me when you because when you bring up this conversation, like. I know for myself going through like Instagram and stuff like now I'm older and I, I obviously depending on the field that I'm in, I look and see like a musical act or someone like yourself. And I'm like, yeah, that's interesting to me. Like I like that kind of conversation or whatever, but my go-to example, I guess of this kind of stuff would be like, I think her name is Kaylee Coco. Is oh, it Coco? Uh, Kaylee Coco. Yeah. I love yeah, her. Yeah. So like, I remember her on eight simple rules being like that teenager that like you, you, I'm maybe, ugh, I guess, 14 15 whatever age but i'm looking at that and i'm like yeah i'm more attracted to bridget than i am you know the redhead but like as i get older i'm kind of like watching her on big bank there and i'm like you know what good for her she got out of that whole character of being like the dumb blonde Mm -hmm. and yeah she's kind of that on big bank there but you watch her develop over time and you're like now if i see her post something like she's I don't know, just say if she had a bad relationship yeah yeah just say she had a bad relationship now she's in a good relationship i'm like good for her same with Britney Spears. It's like, I, I grew up with Britney, but I didn't really dive into Britney's whole life. But now I do. And I'm like, I could care less now, Britney, if you post a bikini, not because I don't think you're hot. It's just because I want to see how you are mentally. Like, how are you doing? Well, that is yeah. so cool. And that yeah. is the, that's the beautiful piece of social media is that we yeah. can be more, our, we can, we, if we want to, we can yeah. share that those pieces of ourselves. I'm still pretty private on social media. Like I don't talk about all the things and yeah, that's I, fair. You can't I, die. You can't, you can't tell someone like share more with me now. It's like, no, I'll share what I want to share. It's my social media. Yeah. I just recently started a Patreon for like my super fans and like there I'm, I'm sharing more. And for some reason it feels like easier because I know they like, like they're there more. that's what they're that's I what they're know. there yeah like that's what they they're there for know, yeah you know? i don't know it's such a, I, I i do think social media just like just makes can make insecurities it can make them more elaborate like i i tell people all the time um now i'm like i said there, there's an audience out here that's younger there's an audience out there older but like you're not going to see people post their lows on social media. That's not what it's for. It's like if someone, it's funny to me because you can go and see a friend on like Facebook and they haven't posted for three months. One minute they're talking about, oh, I'm so happy I'm in a relationship. Then three months it's like, oh, it's silent. And the next minute it's like bought a house. And you're like, okay, but in those three months, I'm not like trying to like make it mean, but I'm like, what happened that you didn't post? You were probably like, you know, at a low. Well, but see, that's the thing. It's like, yeah. no, like I haven't put, I haven't been on Facebook in so long. Like I, I, my, I, I, I know I've been sending messages. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, um, I know I'll get like a, t- an, like angry text from like, a, you know, someone that's like, hello, you know, you've been, you're ignoring me. Are you okay? And like, no, I don't, don't reach out to me via Facebook. That's like not the right way to get a hold of me. I, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think getting back into life is a really good thing. Yeah. And I think if we can if we can figure out a way to use social media as a you know as a tool that it is and use it for good, great. And then I think we need to all get back into our lives because we're missing it. Yeah. Scrolling. I'm missing it. I waste so much time on scrolling through shit that I doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? And and that and I and like, I'm an, an overachiever and I hate myself when I don't get things done. So like, I'm starting from a, a spot of trying to not, not scroll mindlessly yeah. um, and be more conscious of it. So I, I think that we are in a, in a, 
I, I, I actually think it's scary that, that, that we're in a generation of, of kids that are, that are addicted to their phones. We're just, we're just going to call them scrollers. Yeah. Everybody <laughs> but, scrolls. That'll be yeah, the next book. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I feel like, oh yeah, there you go. That's a good one. I post things and if people like it, great. If it's get five view. Yeah. To me, I'm like, oh, five views. Oh, but at the same point, <laughs> I'm like, see, oh. that's not, that's, you have to watch that documentary because that's yeah. actually not you. It's the algorithm. Yeah. You post the thing, the same thing and put a hashtag bikini on it. And like, it'll oh, get. Yeah. I, I feel, I, I feel like I, I know what you're going for, but I feel like there's a part of me that's like, it's just, yeah, yeah. But it, there's a part of me that just has like super standards that. I'm in like journalism and media. So I see people that get careers and good for them. But then you look at the backstory and you're like, hold on, your dad owned this company or your mom, blah, blah, blah. So I'm kind of the one that I, I probably shouldn't be the one to say it, but I'm like, if I want to go places, if I'm going to be the first person with a disability to land on a media network, I don't want someone to look back and be like, well, actually his dad owned the networks. Therefore he's there. I want them to look back and be like, he worked his goddamn ass mm -hmm. off. And yeah, maybe I don't like him because he's an ass on TV. But you know what? I at least appreciate the fact he worked his ass off to get to TV. Yeah. And I'd be like, thank you. And they'd be like, don't talk to me. I hate you. I'd be like, thank you for at least acknowledging I worked my ass off. Yeah, that's all we want. That's all yeah. we want. It's all we want is to be understood and to yeah. feel validated. That's what everybody needs. Yeah. That'll be the uh, everybody yeah. needs to be validated. That'll be a book down the line too. There, there you go. See, we've got so many books in the right. I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be like, when you write them, I'll just be like reaching out to your PR. I'll be like, actually she said it on my podcast. So I want to shout out, like how much money do you want? So you can shut up. I'm like, I don't want the money. Just put me in the back where it's like in the smallest of print brought to you by Tobin tonight podcast. Tobin tonight. Yeah, I'd yeah. Yeah, be like, thank you. Thank you for the small print. I, as we were talking, I thought, you know, this is not the typical interview that I get, that, that I get, you know, I usually yeah. get the same exact questions over and over again. And this was really fun. And I think you're really good. Well, we started off hot. We started off hot with like the favorite color. Yeah. <laughs> people, are like, people are like, what is he doing? That's going to do it for this episode of Tobin Tonight. Our thanks to Serena Vincent for coming on to the show. Remember... You can find past, present, and future episodes on TobinTonight.com, Spotify, and iTunes. Follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, and leave a comment or two. For Tobin and myself, this is Jacob Sang. Thank you for listening, and good night. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. It is your favorite girl. That's right. It's the Ali Mars, the one and the only. Everyone else just ain't me. I am the host of Welcome to Mars, a lifestyle podcast where nothing is off the table. I have come a long way from sex and dating and have transformed the new vibe to all things lifestyle. We still talk sex, but I'm more interested in the journey, where people have come from, how they made it, and where they're going. Subscribe or follow to a brand new look and a brand new era. Welcome to Mars. Subscribe or follow on Apple, Spotify, Google, or at theallymars.com. Because even with the new look, I'm still that same bitch you love to hate. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.